Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. You can catch me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can catch Union Street Hoops on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NWI.com. Welcome back. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. Uh, apologies uh, for the delay in getting one of these podcasts up. A lot has happened. Last time we had one of these up was right after the Indianapolis loss in the exhibition game. And then Valpo played Concordia Chicago, blew them out. I didn't think that was necessarily worthy of a podcast just dedicated to a uh, nearly 60-point win. Then they went on the road to Myrtle Beach, played three games there. And... I wasn't out there. I, I, you know, I observed some of the games, and uh, and, and truth be told, um, it was, uh, it was, you know, then we ran into Thanksgiving timing a little bit here, and I was gonna do a podcast right after the SIUE game, and then that game goes into overtime, and I was racing home to see my family afterward, uh, to spend a day in, in Milwaukee with my family for Thanksgiving, and then when I got back, I thought, well, I'm not gonna do a podcast the day before the West Virginia game, and then it's like you could just talk yourself out of not doing one at any point. Uh, part of the problem with not having a co-host right now is that uh, I've got like no, I've got nobody to like sit down and 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 kind of jam with a little bit here like I did with Parker uh, but uh, so it's kind of it's on me um, some personal stuff personal reason why uh, I haven't uh, been getting the podcast out as much is um, I don't know if this is a humble brag or, or or what this is more of an admittance of a problem I've uh, I've really jumped back into going back to the gym and working out and uh, and I stopped uh, pretty much I, I think I had a soda at the Indianapolis exhibition game, and a couple days later, uh, November 4th, I, uh, I had my final soda. Haven't had one since. Uh, haven't gone to McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell or any of those places uh, since. And uh, I've dropped, I think, about 10 pounds since the last podcast and uh, am continuing to, to crank at it here. Um, but what that has meant is, uh, is I haven't had any caffeine so I've been really tired, and I also have been, you know, some of the free time that I would have to do the podcast has been spent at the gym. So it's uh, just trying to, to balance things out a little bit. So um, if, if, if you see me, uh, you know, you, uh, you may notice I'm not drinking any soda, which before I would basically drink the arc out of Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew or whatever I could, and uh, there we go. So... Um, let me tell you, it's particularly odd to start trying to do better choices with food around the holidays. So Thanksgiving was tough, but I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you ate that extra slice of pumpkin pie that I passed on. It was difficult and sad, and I cried in a corner, but I only had one slice of pumpkin pie, and it's working. So let's talk about Valpo basketball. Uh, six games into the year, Valpo's 3-3. Three and three. They're going to play UNLV on Wednesday night in the Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge. I'm recording this on Tuesday, so that challenge will tip off tonight with the Loyola-Nevada game, which should be just an excellent, excellent basketball game. A rematch of, I believe, was it the Elite Eight uh, contest they played at the NCAA tournament? Uh, Boise State and Drake 
play tonight. Southern Illinois and Colorado State uh, will tip off as well. And then tomorrow night you'll see Valpo and UNLV, Wyoming and Evansville, Bradley and IUPUI, which is not a, uh, a challenge game, excuse me, uh, BYU, Illinois State, Northern Iowa and Utah State, Missouri State and Air Force, and uh, Indiana State and San Jose State. Um, excuse me, that BYU, Illinois State, also not a, uh, a challenge game because BYU is in the West Coast Conference. On Saturday, we'll see uh, San Diego State and Illinois State play, and then also we'll see New Mexico and Bradley. So that rounds out the uh, the challenge, the final year of that, whereas the Mountain West apparently has gotten into an agreement with the Atlantic 10 to do a challenge of their own. Uh, no word as to what the Missouri Valley Conference will be doing. Looking forward to hearing about that perhaps maybe later on in the season. Okay, Valpo is six games into the year, and I don't know if Valpo is a good basketball team or not. That seems to be the question right now. I just don't know. I, 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 I've seen some glimpses. Obviously, Derek Smith has been a revelation this year, really with a, with a bunch of breakout games. Really, the last the last three and a half games he's played, I think, have been really, really good. Uh, Dion Lavender has been phenomenal. Thirty five assists to just fourteen turnovers. He's got seven steals already. He is really quite excellent in what they need to get the offense going. That said, Bakari Evelyn is only shooting 24% from the three-point line. This whole idea of having Lavender on the court so you could get Bakari off the ball works if Bakari is knocking down those shots. Um, very interesting. And uh, obviously the newcomers, Ryan Fizikas, Javon Freeman, doing very well. But let's go game by game here and uh, and just kind of break a couple things down. That Concordia University-Chicago game, I've already talked more about it than we need to. It was nice to see Langston Stalling get out there, get 11 minutes, put in four free throws, and it was, it was a good get-well game for Valpo coming off of that Indianapolis loss. Then they go to Myrtle Beach, and they open up with Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky is a good basketball team. Uh, they've got Charles Bassey, who didn't have, I mean, he was good in that game. He had eight points, six rebounds, three blocks. Savage and Hollingsworth combined for 48 points, and those were really the guys that, that got it done. But but Bassey was tough, and Valpo in that game, um, you know, you saw Bakari knock down three three-pointers, so he started to, to feel it a little bit there. But Ryan Fizikas was two of ten from the three-point line. And you start to sense that coming off that indie game where they both struggled, and now they're in a situation where they, they shot 5 of 18 combined from the three-point line, you're really going to need these guys to be able to knock down some perimeter shots. And against Western Kentucky, it just didn't work. Uh, Marcus Golder had 15 points off the bench. And when I say off the bench, I mean he played... 30 minutes and uh and you know he's playing starters minutes matt loddick has routinely said throughout the early portion of the season he doesn't care who starts he cares who finishes and marcus golder has been a finisher for much of of the year so far we talked to marcus at one point in the last couple weeks and he seemed oblivious to the fact that we asked do you care if you start or not and it just doesn't doesn't really seem to be an issue for him um 
you know, a tough one in that game was Derek Smith's eight minutes and only had uh, he had five fouls in eight minutes. And Malik McMillan played 25 minutes. He had four fouls. So John Kaiser pressed into service a little bit at the five, playing 14 minutes, and he had three fouls. Lots of fouls in that game. 24 called on Valpo, 19 called on uh, on Western Kentucky. But there was a difference of 15 in free throw attempts. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, that was tough for Valpo in a uh, in a 12-point loss. Uh, Valpo went 9 of 31 from the three-point line. And uh, Western Kentucky went 9 of 17. So that's tough. So Valpo, licking their wounds a little bit, comes back the next night and plays Monmouth. And really a nice game. Valpo, uh, I think, led wire to wire in this game. And, uh, and and you saw some balance from the newcomers, the, the big three of the newcomers. Dion Lavender, 7 of 8 from the floor, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 15 points, led all scores for Valpo. Fizikas knocked down three three-pointers, 13 points, looked good in that game. And then Javon Freeman is a very efficient player, only took 6 shots, had 12 points, added a three-pointer, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, does so many interesting things and uh, and good things on the court you really like what you're seeing from Javon Freeman Javon Freeman Liberty he's a very very good player um, but the bench in this game was a bit unique in that there wasn't a lot of production there Daniel Sackey played seven minutes missed a shot and had one turnover uh, Malik McMillan only played three minutes in the game and had four fouls that was really tough to see as a guy who you think is primed for a breakout just couldn't do it. And when McMillan is struggling with foul trouble and Smits is struggling with foul trouble, that lends the way for John Kaiser to play more while Jason Roy is still out. Kaiser played 15 minutes, three rebounds, four points. Marcus Golder had eight points in 21 minutes, but they were kind of forced to play the starters a bit more. And when you when you're leading into a third game in three days, it's uh, especially one that's going to be played early in the morning. Um, legs can become a problem. And so uh, one person who played in that game was Micah Bradford, who played three minutes and turned the ball over and came out and has not taken the court since. He apparently re-aggravated the back injury that Micah experienced as a result of, according to his father on Twitter, a car accident that happened, although we've got no real confirmation about this. And uh, Valpo does not make injured players available uh, for media. So we've not talked to Micah, don't exactly know what's going on. But uh, he did not make the trip to Las Vegas or, or ostensibly West Virginia and then Las Vegas with the team. And uh, Matt Loddick did say after the SIUE game that Micah Bradford was out indefinitely. So then Valpo plays Wake Forest and Valpo was in it. And they, you know, they led by five early in the game. And they, uh, you know, they, they had a uh, they had a, a strong showing against Wake Forest. Um, but again, four of 19 from the three-point line, just 21%. Fizikas, one of five. Bakari, one of seven. And, uh, and just that's not going to get it done. Derek Smith had 23 points, and he was really, you know, for all, for all I can tell you, the best player on the floor against an ACC team. 23 points, seven rebounds, uh, five on the defensive end. He uh, didn't. He had an assist. He had a steal. Smiths really, really played well in that game, and kind of continued what you saw from the uh, you know kind of playing against Monmouth a little bit 
um, you know, where he, he kind of had a strong, strong second half when he scored all seven of his points in the second half. Then against Wake Forest, he played well. Valpo ultimately falls 69-63, but you felt like maybe they took a step forward in that game. And so then they come home and they play SIU Edwardsville. And you, this is a team Valpo should take care of, no problem, right? You've just gone up against a really good potential top 25 team in Western Kentucky, and you were in that game for a long time, ultimately losing. You beat Monmouth, basically, and you, you beat them the way you're supposed to beat them. And then you competed against an ACC team for you know a long stretch of the game, and, and they were in it down to the very end. And you feel, I guess you feel good coming out of the Myrtle Beach Invitational. And then you play SIU Edwardsville, a team that you beat by almost 30 last year, I think it was. Maybe even more than that. And we do a quick uh, quick check of the, uh, the box score from last season. When Valpo went to SIU Edwardsville, they beat them by 25 points. And, you know, that was a game that it's interesting when you look at the lineup, Parker Hazen, Tavon Walker, Joe Burton, and Jay Soroya all started for Valpo in that game. None of them, uh, you know, three of them no longer with the program, and Jay Soroya out, although Soroya was back on campus for that game. You know, there's a lot of rumors out there. Did Soroya go to Spain? What happened to, you know, why was he gone or anything? Um there's stuff floating around on Twitter there. We haven't gotten confirmation as to where Soroy has been or what has been going on, uh, simply because, uh, again, he's been injured and he's not available to talk to the media yet. So we're looking forward to, to that, looking forward to his return, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, the two best players on the floor in that Valpo Southern or SIU Edwardsville game were Tyrese Williford and Cameron Williams. They combined for 46 points, six rebounds, four assists, five steals. Uh, two newcomers, they weren't with the program last year, and, and they were fantastic. And Valpo put all five starters in double figures, and really they played, they played six guys for much of the game. Malik McMillan played 11 minutes. John Kaiser and Daniel Sackey each played eight minutes, but— and there was a stretch that Saki had in the first half that I thought kind of got Valpo back in it, where they were only down two at the half. Valpo uh, in the second half needed a, a, a nice turnaround shot from uh, Bakari Evelyn out of a timeout to tie the game and send it to overtime. And then in the overtime, you know, Valpo Valpo ended up coming out and, and doing what they needed to do. Bakari again hit a uh, hit a layup right at the beginning. Then uh, Freeman split a pair of free throws. Golder made two free throws, and Smiths made a layup, and and Valpo held, you know, held them to uh, to just two points in the entire overtime. So credit Valpo's defense in uh, in stepping up in that game to uh, to to grab that victory. But that to me, it just it felt like a tough tough game because you you had all of this moment, not maybe a all of this momentum. He had some momentum coming out of Myrtle Beach. Granted, you went one and two, but I only winning and taking overtime to beat SIUE at home just felt like a step back a little bit. I uh, will say again, Lavender, 10 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Freeman, 11.6 rebounds, four assists. Um, Fizikas, two or three from the three-point line. Smiths, again, 10 points, eight rebounds. So now Valpo's got to go in and take on West Virginia. Uh, 
and this was going to be a tall task. Uh, Segaba Konate, I believe is how you pronounce it, or Sags as they call him, um, is the star for for West Virginia. You know, one of the best best big men in the country. You know, looks like he should be just a stud shot blocker, and um, he gets two points in the first half. And Valpo's down 39-36, and things things look like they're going Valpo's way a little bit. They just got to get some stops. They've, they've taken care of Konate. Uh, second half starts, Smits with a layup. Then Konate hits a three-pointer. Bakari knocks down a three. Konate with a dunk. Konate with a uh, another three-pointer after Fazekas made a three-pointer. Smits makes a layup. Konate with a jump shot. Freeman makes a three-pointer. Kanate makes a three-pointer. And uh, around and around we go. And the trading baskets with Kanate for the first four minutes of the of the second half. And and then, uh, you know, Valpo gets another three-pointer from Fazekas to cut it to two points with 14 and a half left. Uh, but then West Virginia, you know, they start to, uh, you know, West, Lamont West starts making some baskets. And uh, Issa Ahmad with uh, a career game as well with 30 points. Kanate with 26 and 10, despite only having two points at the half. But Valpo fought, and they lost by 12, and the score is going to look like Valpo played, I don't know, poorly or whatever. But Valpo was in this game for a long time. Derek Smith, again, another strong game. 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 blocks. He did have 6 turnovers. But 9 of 12 from the floor against one of the best defensive big men in the country, Smiths made it work. Dion Lavender, 5 points, 6 rebounds, 10 assists, no turnovers. Fazekas, 3 of 4 from the 3-point line. Bakari Evelyn, 2 of 6 from the 3-point line, 10 points. Javon Freeman, Liberty, 9 points. His first time in a Crusader uniform that he was not in double figures. So I say exactly what I said at the beginning. I don't know if Valpo's good. It it's just it's very difficult right now to try to figure where they're at. They've got UNLV on the road will be a very difficult game. I if Valpo wins that game, you start to feel pretty good. If Valpo loses that game, I don't know that you feel bad. I just I think it's a really tough game. Then a pair of games at home against UC Riverside and High Point. Both must-win games. Got to win those games. Then at George Washington, looks like, you know, anytime you play on the road against an A-10 team, could be tough. I don't know that GW is great this year. Um, And then you look at uh, Ball State, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Should be a very, very tough game for Valpo. Um, George Washington, by the way, is 1-5 this year. Uh, they just finally uh, picked up a win um, against Manhattan. They beat Manhattan by 27 points, but they lost their first five games of the year and uh, and not exactly uh, off to a great start. Now, granted, they played Virginia. They played Michigan. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to Siena, and they lost to uh, is it Stony Brook, I believe, they lost to in the, uh, the season opener. And, and so George Washington – you know, road game, coin flip. Got Ball State and then at Texas A&M to round it out. And Texas a and is not doing very well this year either, but that's still a Big 12 program, and that's still on the road, and that's still going to be a very, very tall task for Valpo. So that's what you've got leading into the uh, 
leading. I was looking at the Big 12 here to try to figure out Texas A&M's record, but uh, they are in the SEC. That's right. And, uh, I mean, they're 2-4 and four this year and with wins over, um, I think, Savannah State and South Alabama. Not exactly the, uh, the greatest competition here. But, okay, looking at the Valley, which Valpo is going to be getting into, let's do a quick breakdown of, of what, where the Valley's at. It has not been a great start to the year for the Valley. Last year at this time, they had that, that Loyola win over Florida, which they could kind of hang their hat on. I don't know what the best win is in the conference right now. Probably at the top, you've got Penn State, uh, excuse me, Bradley is six and one, and they beat Penn State to win the Cancun Challenge. Uh, they're six and one. They've got a lot of experience on that team. Brian Wardle brings back a lot of starters, a lot of guys that he's recruited, and he's really in year I think three at or four at uh, at Bradley. He's got uh, he's got his guys in place. They did lose to UIC, which was a was a tough loss. Anytime the Valley loses to the Horizon League, that's tough. Drake is 3-1. and one. They've only played four games, as has Indiana State. Now Drake's best win is probably against UMKC, and they lost to Colorado. Uh, some questions about Drake. They're young. Uh, Nick McGlynn is, is there, but uh, you know, not really sure what Drake has, and they've only played four games. Indiana State lost to Ball State for their lone loss, but they just knocked off Western Kentucky, something Valpo was not able to do on a neutral court. So that's a, that'll be a very good win for Indiana State and for the Valley. That Penn State win for, for Bradley is pretty good, but that Western Kentucky win for Indiana State looks really good as well. Illinois State has played the most games in the conference so far at seven, along with Bradley. Illinois State's five and two, and their best win probably against Boise State, and they lost to Georgia, which is not a terrible loss. Loyola's four and two ahead of their big matchup with Nevada. They beat Richmond recently, decent win there against the A10, and uh, they lost to Furman at home in what was a uh, as a kind of a tough walk off dunk that the Paladins had. And this is before Furman went on to beat Villanova. And so Furman is kind of everyone's darling right now, whereas maybe Loyola was the darling last year. Missouri State, 3-3. Three and three. They, uh, I think they won their first three games of the year, including a win over Oral Roberts, which will always make Valpo fans happy, and then a loss to Murray State in the most recent game. Northern Iowa's 3-3 three and three with their young freshman, A.J. Green, looks to be as good as advertised. And they just recently beat Old Dominion at the Peach Jam, or Paradise Jam, and then they uh, they lost to Old Dominion on a kind of a return game right afterward, kind of that unique thing where you're playing the same team back-to-back and one on a neutral court, one on the road. Perhaps the most intriguing team is Southern Illinois, and this is by the manner of their losses. They're 3-3. Three and three. They beat Tulsa, which I guess is their best win. They lost to Kentucky early. They, they were in the game for much of it. They led the game for much of it, and they ultimately lost 71-59. to Then they came back and lost to Buffalo, a top 25 team, by nine points. Then they go out to Vegas, and they lose to UMass by 22 points. I mean, they were down early, and this is a surprise for a team that you suspect is, is pretty experienced and should be pretty good. But to go into a neutral court setting against UMass and get blitzed by 22 when in a competitive game against Kentucky at Kentucky, you only lost by 12. Kind of a fascinating result there. Valparaiso's 3-3. Three and three. They 
probably their best win is Monmouth, and they lost to West Virginia as maybe their best loss. And then Evansville is 2-3, and three, and they're kind of another unknown as to who are the guys on this team. And their best win is against Texas Southern, which has beaten Baylor and just recently knocked off Oregon. And so that right there is a, is a pretty big uh, win just knocking off Texas Southern. And then Evansville also has lost to Ball State. So Valpo will will get a chance to get Ball State at home on December 17th and, and should be a, a very, very good game. Sadly, I think that home game on the 17th will be held when the students are away, and I don't know what kind of crowd Valpo is going to get for that one. So is Valpo good? I just I don't know the answer. You know, there's there's if, if even if we look at a couple of the stats that we suspected we'd see, um, you know, I it. We, it's hard to tell because of the fact that Jay Soroy is not on the team or, you know, not not playing at the moment. Um, looking at, you know, Javon Freeman, he's as good as advertised, right? He's averaging 12.5 points a game. Our over-under, we said 11.5 points a game. He's doing very well right now. Um, 15 assists to 11 turnovers. He's got 11 steals, which by far leads the team. He's good. He's a freshman. He'll make freshman mistakes, and he's played 27 and a half minutes a game. It, it just it does feel like there's stretches of time where he's not out on the court. He's not getting the minutes that uh, Bakari and Dion Lavender are getting, both over 30, uh, but he is third on the team in minutes played. As we said, Micah Bradford not. Uh, he's, he's out with the back right now. Not sure his status going forward. Dion Lavender, if there's been a bright spot in the first six games of the year, it's been Dion Lavender. 35 assists in the first six games of the year. I mean, that's he's doing really well there in an average of 5.8 assists per game. The over-under over we had were, uh, were 3.6 assists. Daniel Sackey is, you know, well, Javon Freeman is a special freshman. Sackey looks, the speed is there, but, you know, He's just he's getting into his element. At a, at the, a couple home games, he's looked really good. On a couple of the away games, he's looked a little shell shocked. But you started to see him pick up a little bit more confidence as uh, as time has gone on. And I suspect that Daniel Sackey will will play some pretty big minutes here before the season is out. Uh, Bakari Evelyn, we set the over under at thirty nine point five percent from the three point line, and again he's currently shooting twenty four point two percent. And if it's the if there's a big problem on the team, and I'm not saying Bakari is a problem, but if there's a big statistical issue on the team, it's that three point number from Bakari. And you got to figure he'll get it figured out as time goes on. Uh, Marcus Golder is uh, shooting 56% from the floor. We said over under 50%. He's he's done his role. He's done exactly what we thought he would do. Um, he's right up there with almost five rebounds a game, playing 24 minutes a game. He is a really good first guy off the bench, and uh, and you'd be curious to see as we get later into the season, um, you know, playing some of these conference teams that he's got experience going against, um, you know, what he gives on the floor. Jay Soroya has not played yet, and that's the big question. He's in Vegas with the team. He 
apparently could have come back. He may have re-aggravated the ankle. Um, by all accounts, I think we talked about this on the podcast before, Jay Soroya was just doing excellent, excellent in practice, and then he gets hurt, and it's really kind of altered the, the way the season has begun here for Valpo. And the hope is that you get him back and you get him up to speed by the time conference games begin. Derek Smits has been a big bright spot on the team. We set the over-under at 25 blocks, six games into the season. He's got nine blocks. Five of them came in one game. He is really taking big steps forward offensively. And now the question is interior defense, what, what can Valpo do? They've got to stop fouling so much. And that leads us to Malik McMillan, who has got 19 fouls in 72 minutes of play. And that, I mean, that's, that's tough. He's averaging three fouls a game and he's just not been able to stay on the court long enough because of the foul trouble. Uh, he's one for six from the three point line. Three pointers were a specialty of his last year. Uh, 1.7 rebounds. You see, when you watch Malik McMillan, you see all of the talent there and then the whistles happen. And it's just, it, it's, it's tough to watch. John Kaiser is, uh, is played the same amount of minutes as Daniel Sackey, 65 minutes. He's, um, you know, there's a clear demarcation between the top six guys on the team and then the, the, the next three of McMillan, Sackey, and Kaiser. And Kaiser has been off the, uh, the, the target of Twitter, uh, people attacking him for, you know, uh, just you, you feel like you're playing four on five when he's on the floor offensively. He's a gritty, hard-nosed defender who will get in there and, and scrape it up with the bigger guys. But offensively, just what is what is he kind of doing there? He is six of nine from the floor. He's shooting 66%. Two of his misses are from the three-point line. Or excuse me, uh, one of his misses from the uh, the three-point line. Uh, you know, it's just a, he's a guy that he's a jack-of-all-trades. I, I thought Matt Lodick made a good point about Kaiser. He said, I could put him in at point guard and he'd know exactly everything to run. And I could put him in at center and he'd know exactly everything to run. A very cerebral player, um, but maybe a little bit of a talent drop off there. But I don't know that anyone works harder than Kaiser. And uh, the guy can make some plays, but, you know. And then finally, Ryan Fizikas, the guy that, that you know, we had set at 14.2 points per game. He's at 12.8. You know, the three-point shooting has improved to the point that he's up at 41%. Uh, he's 14 of 34. He had a couple of early struggles there. Fizikas is, is kind of doing his role. And I think as Soroya gets back on the court, perhaps you'll see even more of an opportunity for a guy like Fizikas to get freed up for some shots. And and so that's kind of a player-by-player player rundown here. Uh, it's, I, I, I as, as I sit here and, and, and really wrapping up the podcast today, I just... I still don't know if Valpo's good, and I don't know when we're going to have an answer to that. If they beat UNLV, but that's a really tall ask. I just I don't know that that can be the litmus test. Going on the road, winning a hard—I mean, UNLV is a tough team. You've got to win both games against Riverside and High Point. If they can't win both those games, that's a red flag for me. And I really think if you can beat Ball State at home and maybe steal that one at George Washington— then all of a sudden you've got a four-game winning streak going into a game at Texas A&M. You start to feel a little good about yourself. 
going into a team that's down this year and and you know obviously you regroup with Purdue Northwest a couple days after Christmas and then you get into conference play but I I think Valpo needs to go three and one in that Riverside High Point George Washington Ball State stretch and maybe four and oh uh, four and oh would be a tall task winning on the road and then winning against a very good Ball State team um, I I guess maybe three weeks from now we may have an idea if this team is good or not I I think there's talent there's no question about it and um, who's the leader of the team you know that's another question maybe for the next podcast who is Who's the guy that is the heartbeat of this team? Can they rally around a Dion Lavender, a senior grad transfer? Um, you know, who who is it? Is it Bakari? Is it Marcus? Is it Javon? I, you know, I don't know the answer of who is the leader of this team. And uh, and and so it's it's an interesting question. I've rambled on a little bit here. I just I really wanted to sit down and get this out to you. And uh, I'm curious to see what happens at UNLV on Wednesday night and then coming back on uh, on Sunday and uh, Tuesday, Riverside and High Point, two kind of uh, must-win games for Valpo. Thanks a lot for listening. Hit me up on Twitter, at NWIORIN. Let me know uh, how you like the pod and let me know kind of what topics you want to get into uh, in, in the coming weeks. And uh, thank you once again for listening to the latest edition of Union Street Hoops.